And we're going to do something a little bit different this morning in the, the reading of God's Word. If you've been following along, you see that we're now on page 10 uh, from Hebrews 11. So I'm going to read a little bit from that. But hold there, and then go back to page 5. The passage that Tom and Marcia read, and I ask you to stand, I'm going to read first from Genesis 18, then I'm going to read verse 10 through 15, then I'm going to ask you to turn to page 10, and then I'm going to read Hebrews 11. Please stand after I have pleasure. The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. About this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Now turn over with me to Hebrews 11, verses 11 and 12. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. <clears throat> so we have these two texts talking about Sarah. And we want to see how Sarah informs us, the plight of Sarah informs us this Advent season. And what we're going to see, if you're following along in your outline, we're going to look at the laughter of pain. We're going to look at the laughter of longing. And then finally, we're going to look at the laughter of faithfulness fulfilled. You know, laughter is actually spoken a lot about in the Bible. In Proverbs, in chapter 14, it says this, and I want you to listen carefully. It says, even in laughter, the heart may be in pain, and the end of joy may be grief. Even in laughter, the heart may be in pain, and the end of joy may be grief. Most of the time when we think about laughter, we think about something funny. Right? Something funny that our kids or grandkids do, something that, uh, you know, just strange happens, and it, it's comedy. Most of the laughter in the Bible is not comedy. It has something else behind it. And most of the time, it's, it's expressing the angst of our hearts. So what does this look like? Let's share a story. Uh, me, my father-in-law... And my son, this is maybe three or four years ago, we went on a really interesting tour of the Martin Guitar Factory. We lived about 20 minutes from there, and I, I play guitar. Well, I kind of play guitar, and my, my father-in-law really plays guitar, and my son doesn't play guitar at all, but it doesn't really matter because it was a boy's day out. So we went through this tour of the facility. It was they let you walk on the floor and talk to the people who are actually making these guitars by hand. And we got out, and we were done, and it was time to go home. And this is, this is in Pennsylvania, 
uh, when we lived there, and we were, we went to get out in our car, and it was pouring down rain. It's Friday at about 5 p.m., and we were going to take the most busy, most traveled roadway back home, which in the middle of it has a concrete divider, and on the other side has shoulders that are about a foot and a half wide. So I think, oh, I got this. And so we get on Highway 22 is what it is. I'm driving along, and I'm driving like a northeasterner. You know, it's 55 miles an hour is what the sign says. And I'm going 70, and people are still passing me. And then it's raining, the wipers are going. And the next thing I know, the car has this bink and starts shaking violently. And I'm scared to death because I'm in the left lane because I was going 70 miles an hour. And I decide, like, I've got to get this over. And, I, and it's, the steering column is almost, like, impossible to get over. And I'm, I'm super stressed out. My father-in-law is stressed out. Eli in the back is laughing because he thinks it's an amusement park ride. <laughs> like, I, shut up. Let's shut up, you know. And we finally get to the edge finally stop and pull over, and I laugh. <laughs> wow, so glad that's over. We didn't laugh because it was funny, right? It might be funny in the retelling, but in the moment, you laugh because of the angst and the pain, and the pain in the pocketbook that's going to come later because of something that happened. That's the type of laugh that we see in Sarah. If you're still holding your place in Genesis 18, the nature of her laughter there, when she hears from the Lord that she's going to have a child, is not a, yeah, right, type of laugh. It's more of a, come on. I have wanted a child my whole life. And now you're saying this? It comes from a place not of mockery or scorn, but just simply of doubt. If you look at verse 12 in Genesis 18, it's not this. It's not... After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? She's not getting an attitude toward God. She's not sassing him. It's after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Really? It's a laughter of pain or fear or of heartache. But then, I love the Old Testament because it's full of really interesting and funny stuff. But then, Sarah denies that she laughed. She just denies that she laughed. Look at verse 13. The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh 
for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Did you catch that? She said, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. If her laughter is actually coming out of a place of pain and not of mockery, why would the text in Genesis 18 say that she was afraid? Why would it say she's afraid? For instance, if we go to our father expressing pain, expressing angst, you know, the, the, the types of things that burden our souls, we are not assuming a posture of fear. Right? We don't go to him expressing kind of a deep anguish in our heart and yet at the same time be afraid of him. So, so what's going on in this text that she was afraid? Why fear the Lord if you're expressing pain? And I think in Sarah's case, her expression of pain due to childlessness for decades was an expression that God is not good. Her laugh was the deep heart of Sarah saying, he is not good. Because, put yourself in this woman's position. She has probably been married since she was however, 15, 20 years old, right? They married super young then. It was vitally important to have children in this culture. She did not have a child. In the first year, or the 10th year, or the 20th, or the 50th year of their marriage. Biologically, she can't even have a child anymore. And everywhere she walked, she was that woman who could not, have a child, could not have children. And it was a shame in this society. She longed for one, and finally, God tells her she's going to have one. And I believe her pained laughter is this. You're telling me I'm going to have one. If you were actually good, you would have given me one by now. If you were actually good, you would have given me one by now. So that's kind of what we see in Genesis 18. But let's flip the script. Let's take a look at Hebrews 11 and see what that says about this encounter in Genesis 18. So that brings us to the laughter of longing. And in Hebrews 11, verse 11, it says this. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. It seems glowing, right? If you read the entire chapter, and that's the reason some of these verses that we didn't read are in here, 
It is a recounting, Hebrews 11 is a recounting of all of these people in the Old Testament. And it is a glowing review of them. And if you look in the Old Testament, you know what you find? Scoundrels. People who were disappointments. People who convicted, who, who were criminals. And many different things like that. And yet Hebrews 11 has this glowing review of Sarah, doesn't it? Now, again, let's remember who Sarah was. I mean, she's been shamed and scorned. She has no heir. She has no child. At this point in the story, she, she has a stepchild living in her house by her, by her maid that her husband fathered. And this is, this is public stuff. Like, people see this. She's the woman who has twice been given to kings as a ransom by her husband. There is no way you get through this with kind of a, a happy-go-lucky attitude. Life has stomped on Sarah. And yet Hebrews 11 says, she received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Look at that closely. She considered him faithful who had promised. Sarah may have doubted God's goodness, but she absolutely believed that he was faithful. Sarah may have doubted God's goodness, but she absolutely believed he was faithful. We find those sorts of examples in ourselves, don't we? Share with you a few. You raise your children in a church where the gospel is cherished. You go to church every Sunday. You have devotionals together as a family. You pray for them. You teach them how to pray. They grow up and they get out of your house and they reject the thousands of Sundays, the thousands of times you've prayed with them and for them, and they walk away. They don't identify anymore as a Christian. And so you're left in a position that is similar to Sarah because you're asking the question, God, if you're good, how can you actually let this happen? Parents love, parents love their children more than life itself. If you're good, how could you let this happen? And in that position, it is very difficult to see God's goodness. It is. But you can still bank on his faithfulness. You may not experience the goodness, but you can absolutely hold on to with closed, tightened fists the fact that he is faithful. So you've had a disease <coughs> or something like that 
you've just been dealing with for a long time. Um, you know, this is something that I've kind of wondered. I was born with, with kind of a unique thing. Um, it's a syndrome. Y'all are just waiting to hear, aren't you? <laughs> um, and it's that um, I'm, my leg didn't form right. So you've got a, the, like the ball up in your hip and the femur, and I was kind of born without like that. And slowly over time, it kind of came back in, which means my hip's all deformed. I've got these funny shoes. I'm preaching, and I'm taking off my shoes. That's how much I love y'all. But you see, one of my shoes is a lot thicker than the other because one of my legs is an inch and a half shorter than the other. It's a very strange thing. You know what this means? If I walk without them being built up, my hip kills me. And, um, and it absolutely kills my lower back. So I've never really strolled barefooted on a beach. Right? That would be a nice thing to me. This is a small thing. I have questioned, God, if you're good, why did you do this? Some of you have or are struggling with illnesses that can kill you. And it is, in that moment, very difficult to see his goodness. If you're good, why am I going through this? But you can... You, don't, you can't feel that he's good, but you can bank on the fact that he's faithful. There's struggles in marriage. I mean, there's always, we always, married people always have struggles because that's what it is. You get two sinners together. It's like a boxing match emotionally. And sometimes you're in just the basement and you're struggling with your spouse and you think, God, if you were good, why don't you make my spouse do X, Y, or Z, right? It's always that one first, right? It's, ne <laughs> it's, never, it's never like, God, fix me. It's, would you fix my spouse, please? And he doesn't, and he doesn't fix you, and you're still at each other. It's hard to see his goodness. But you can bank on his faithfulness. He's always faithful. This is why reading your Bibles is so important. Because he will do everything that he has promised to do in here. He will. Sometimes it works out in wonderful ways. You know, Sarah, she may have been laughing in pain, but she was longing to see God's faithfulness. God had appeared to Abraham a long time before Genesis 18 in time frame. She was longing to see his faithfulness. And all believers at all times, we are in a, the same place. We're waiting to see God's faithfulness fulfilled. So that brings us to the last point, the laughter of faithfulness fulfilled. You know, the Old Testament saints were looking for the time when God would be faithful and finally bring about the Redeemer, the Messiah. You and I 
with incarnation in the past, Jesus' death and resurrection in the past, we stand and we look for the time in which God will fulfill his faithfulness and send his son to claim his own. That's what we look forward to. You know, what's your angst story? What's your pained laugh story? And how does that point us to Jesus? How does that point us to Jesus? Illness. I have cancer again. How does it point us to Jesus? Your struggles. Some of you, I mean, some of us, I say you, us. I mean, you get beaten down by the same sin over and over. When am I going to stop being an angry person again? When, Father? All of these pained laughs point us to a time when everything will be made right and just and beautiful again. When Jesus comes back, it's one of the things that we celebrate in this Advent season. You know, there's a song, and I'll close with this. There's a, there's a song here that we sing at Trinity based upon Psalm 126. I'm not going to sing it for you. You don't want me to sing it for you because um, I can't sing. Here's what it says. Our mouths, and he, here in this, what we've been talking about, our mouths, they, they were filled with laughter. Our tongues, they were loosed, loosed with joy. Although we are weeping, Lord, help us keep sowing the seeds of your kingdom for the day you will reap them. Your sheaves we will carry, Lord, please do not tarry. All those who sow weeping will go out with songs of joy. Our laughter is mixed in with our weeping, and we long for the day when there's no more angst, no more pain mixed with laughter, just merely laughter with full joy because God is faithful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that even in times when we have pain and sorrow, when we are longing to see your faithfulness fulfilled, we thank you that you're with us in that. And Father, we long for the day when we see the rest of your promises in Jesus be fulfilled, to see him as he is here with us. We long for that, Father, and we pray this in his name. Amen.